0: Well, good morning. I was uh, talking with Pastor Lyle this past week. Well, I say talking. Actually, it was, uh, it was texting. <laughs> I was texting Pastor Lyle. Pastor Lyle, this is Terry from Club 180. What would you have me do this Sunday? And he said, well, you're going to have the preaching time this Sunday. You're going to have about 25 to 35 minutes. You can do whatever you want. But make sure you talk about Club 180. So that's what I'm here to do. I said, that's perfect. I can do that. So that's cool that you guys are having your fall festival tonight. We had ours uh, this past Friday. We had a... We call it... I know y'all call it fall festival. But in our little town, it's still trick-or-treat on Main Street. So... We didn't do that. The city does that. We just blend in with them and love on the kids because they're walking around town in their little costumes like Mr. Peach was a while ago. And uh, it's fun to walk around town with them and just see all the kids dressed up. i tell you what, I've never, I think that may be, I don't know how it is here, but there, I guess that's their favorite holiday. We want to call it a holiday. I don't really call it a holiday, but... You know, you have to love on the kids because that's their favorite time of the year. So we gave out candy, we played games with them, and I think we served, what, about 400 chili dogs? I mean, it was crazy. We started at like three o'clock in the afternoon and we didn't get done till almost seven o'clock. I mean, it was people everywhere. But it was a lot of fun. We got to, uh, we got to minister and love on those kids and, Meet people that we hadn't met, and and do it in in Jesus' name. Um. So, Club One Hundred and Eighty Ministry, uh, we're we're in we're about to start our eleventh year in Eastern Kentucky, which just blows my mind. Uh, I've I've had uh, folks that um you know live here back home. We call this home. This is. This is home to us. When we come here to this church and, and to our, our other churches in, in White House and in Hendersonville and Portland, uh, this is home. It feels like home. And uh, we've had some folks, you know, way back when Angie and I first started this thing 11 years ago, uh, say, you know, we gave you about three years and then we figured you'd be back here. And uh, But no, we're starting our 11th year in ministry in eastern Kentucky. Is that not crazy? that's crazy yeah. and it has been a blessing and a joy it has been hard and difficult it's not been easy um, but the Lord provides in every way and he's provided through this church for us since the very beginning I'll never forget uh, getting that first phone call from Jerry Garrett you know how can we help and we weren't even in the facility that we're in now we were in a a little uh, rented place that was behind the Pizza Hut, less than two thousand square feet, you know. And now God has blessed us with about twenty-five to thirty thousand square feet. It's amazing what what God can do. And uh, you know, we we're continuing to do uh, the same things that we've really always done. Just God has kind of expanded it in in, in a way. You know, uh, started out as a hangout. And just to get to know people because we didn't know anybody and they didn't know us. And uh, it's kind of grown into gymnastics and karate and dance and uh, after school programs and all kinds of different events throughout, throughout the year. Uh, and to this day, our newest little adventure that we've embarked on is through Club 180 Ministry, we've actually planted a church in eastern Kentucky. River's Edge Fellowship, that's our official name. And it's so appropriate because our facility is sitting right in front of the river, and that's where we baptize. You know, I love this back here, but I tell you what, you don't know what you, you're missing until you baptize somebody in the river. Especially in Eastern Kentucky River in the middle of February. Somebody gets baptized in that river in the middle of February, they want to be baptized, right? But we have done so many things over the years, and and Club 180 has become so many things to so many people. But the truth of it all is, is that we're a discipling ministry. And I, I I, I heard your... Your video about that a while ago, and and that's the key. It really is the key. Is as the church that we're to be about discipleship. You know how can we how can we take the gospel to a lost world unless we're prepared to disciple people? And I go back to the scripture that the Lord gave me. You know. 11 years ago, when I first moved there, I mean, we moved there in January of of uh, 2006. I did. They came in, in June of that year, after school let out and the girls could move. Um, but while I was there, in those initial first days of being there in that area, God gave me this scripture, and let me share it with you. I've shared it here before, but I want to share some stories with you that just kind of, hit at the heart of what this is speaking of. And it comes from Isaiah, and it's chapter 61. And it says, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the afflicted. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to captives, and the day of vengeance of our God. To proclaim the favorable year of the Lord, to comfort all who mourn, to grant those who mourn in Zion, giving them a garland instead of ashes. The oil of gladness instead of mourning. The mantle of praise instead of a spirit of fainting. So they will be called oaks of righteousness. A planting of the Lord for the display of His glory. And you you, you look at that scripture and you think, well that is... That is a beautiful portrait of our Savior and our King, our Redeemer, the Lord Jesus Christ Himself. And it is. And as we have done ministry in that area and missions in that area, I have watched this beautiful portrait of who Jesus is lived out through Club 180 ministry. In salvation, in discipleship, in just seeing the needs and meeting them. In whatever form that takes. And I'll be honest with you. You get your hands dirty. If you're going to do ministry, then you need to be ready and prepared to get your hands dirty. That's the truth of it. Think about Jesus for a moment. Think about all that Jesus did when he was on this earth. And who were the folks that he ministered to? Who were the ones that he went to? I mean, we we all are in need of Jesus' saving grace, right? Every one of us. But I think about the woman at the well. And I think about Zacchaeus. I think about the apostles themselves and who they were. I think about the blind beggar. I think about all of those folks. And then I, I see this scripture in that light. And then I think about a young man named Seth Brock. Now Seth is... a. He's the newest member of River's Edge Fellowship. He and his family. Seth's about 28, 29 years old now. Four boys. And they are boys. All boys. And uh, from the age seven down to... Charlie's, little Charlie's only a couple months old. And uh Seth... Was Seth was at Club 180 Ministry in the very beginning. You know, as a 17, 18-year-old high school kid, and um, while we were learning how to disciple and get to know people in that area, Seth was one of those kids that liked to come around, but he really didn't want anything to do with you other than to, in his way, show off what he could do. I mean, he was, a, he was a super athletic kid. He could run like the wind. He could do backflips in the parking lot. That's what I remember most about him. I mean, he would take off down this hallway as fast as he could go, spin and start doing backflip after backflip after backflip. And that's how he impressed the girls. And so I thought, man, that's really cool. I, I want to get to know that kid. But he was always just a little bit standoffish. You know, we're talking, you know, 10 years ago. But the thing is, throughout the years, Seth, he, he really didn't want anything to do with any higher education. He just wanted to get out of high school and go to work. And in our area, you know, the work is mining, right? Because that's what Harlan County is. It's a mining area. It's a mining town. And it's generation after generation after generation of mining uh, folks and so that's who Seth wanted to be he wanted to be a minor so he got a job right out of high school and he worked for you know five or six years as a minor and I really didn't even see him during that time I heard about him and what I heard was not good and here's this little kid you know that used to come to club 180 and now he's out doing things that you know, I wouldn't want anybody to do. And so, the, you know, the things were not all that good that we were hearing. But then something happened. We had a big layoff. In the last three years in our area, in eastern Kentucky, there's been more than 4,000 men lose their jobs. And Seth was one of those. We have another young man named Stephen who got a job as a minor right out of high school. But the last official act that Stephen did through Club 180 was he, we took him on a senior school trip when he graduated high school. He got to go with us. And on that trip down to Panama, right? On that trip down to Panama, Stephen gave his life to Jesus Christ. And he has not looked back since. He still, to this day, comes back every year at Christmas, even though he lives, you know, an hour away from us now. He still comes back every year at Christmas, and he picks out several of our kids that we do ministry with, and he does Christmas for them. Stephen loves the Lord. And Stephen, just like Seth, went to work right out of high school, and... He has not missed a day's work except one time when he hurt his foot and he was out for about, I don't know, three or four months. Seth, on the other hand, got laid off and was not able to get a job in the mines even though there were sti- there's still mining going on. He's tried and he would go back to work and then he'd get laid off and it was just very intermittent. So Seth began to come back to Club 180. And over the last two years, Club 180 has has really been Seth's employer. You know, as as God would provide for us, I'd call Seth up say, Seth, I have a project. I need you. Can you come down here and, and help me out? And whatever it was, I mean, we would have teams in and I would need someone from our area to get in the middle of that. Purposely sometimes because I wanted Seth to be around people who like to talk about Jesus. And so I'd call him up and bring him in and he would work with these folks. And he's done that for the last two years. And it's just really cool to watch how God has used folks like your church. And churches up in Illinois. And churches in North Carolina. And churches in Georgia. Churches in, you know, all over the eastern United States, loving on this one young man for the last two years. I was in my office about maybe two months ago. And Seth, you know, he he calls me, you know, at the beginning of the week, every week. And he didn't call me this one day. Or he sends me a text message. He didn't call me this one day. It was on a Monday, and he came upstairs into my office, just right into my office. He said, Terry, I I want to know something. I said, what? And I'm getting worried, you know, about something that's happened because his past is kind of a storied past. He said, is there any way you would bless my baby? I thought, man, this is so cool. I said, Seth, will you... Yeah, I'd, I would love to pray over Charlie. Little Charlie, that's his, that's his newest son. I said, I'd love to pray over Char- little Charlie and, and, and give a blessing over him. But here's kind of how we do things. And I, and I talked to him about baby dedication service. And we'd never done that in our church before. And I thought, man, what an opportunity to, to really get the family in and just love on the whole family. So we, I, I guess about a month ago, we had a special service where Seth's family came in and we lined them up and we loved on them as a church and we dedicated all of his children to the church, raising them up in the admonition of the Lord as a church. You know how these baby dedications go. And then just commissioning and, 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 and uh, charging that family with raising those children up in the admonition of the Lord. Commissioning and charging the church up to raise up that family in the admonition of the Lord. And I'll tell you what, you thought, you would have thought you had given that family everything. And I'll tell you, he's not missed a Sunday since. He's at church right now, back where we live. And Seth knows that the Lord is doing something in him. And I'll tell you, since he made the decision to bring his family back into the church. Seth, a week ago, got a call from a company out in Everts. And he's now working full-time again. Where he's been displaced for the last two years. He has a full-time job in the mines. And he is giving all the credit for that right there to God. And it's so cool to watch somebody like that young man... His life, his world, everything just changed. But you know what had to happen for all that to come about? Somebody had to get their hands dirty. Somebody had to be not worried about storied pasts. I'm going to be honest with you this morning. I want to tell you something. And I, Myself, I think about this all the time. Because I did not grow up in a church like we have in eastern Kentucky right now. I grew up in a church much like this one right here. And I don't know what that means for you guys, but for me it meant like I was here every time the doors were opened. Anything that was going on in the church, I was a part of. But beyond that, I was in my own little world. I had a job, or I had friends to play with, whatever that was. You know, that's, that's who I was in the church growing up. What I've learned through this scripture that I just shared with you, and being real honest with you this morning, our church, our little church, of course we have almost... All the missionaries that are in that area serving, they come to that church. And I think that's just the coolest thing God could ever do. He put all of us as missionaries together on Sunday morning so that we could love on people. But our church is full of prostitutes and drug addicts. People filled with hopelessness. People that no one else in the world wants to be around. And... Myself included. I'm going to be real honest with you. There are times when I don't want to be around them. But when that happens, I think about this scripture right here. I will give them a garland instead of ashes. That literally is a beautiful headdress. The oil of gladness instead of a spirit of fainting. So that they will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of His glory. When you think about what God can do, who has He always typically done it through? The most vain things in the world. Jesus Christ has changed the world with the most vain things in the world. And as we have been in ministry there, I have watched the Lord change the lives of people that just lived in utter despair. But when they find Jesus, they grab hold and they hold on for dear life because that's all they have. And I'm going to tell you, this young man Seth... I have churches that partner with us in a lot of different places. And when they come, when they're like, like, uh, when they're coming to do ministry with us, one of the first things they ask me on the phone is, is Seth going to be there and can he work with us? Is that not the coolest thing ever? I mean, it's, it's a personal request from the churches that are coming to do ministry. We want to work with Seth. We want to see Jordan. We want to see Beth Ann. All these kids that have grown up through Club 180. Everyone that has come and served with us on mission. They call back or they write us asking, how is so and so doing? And it's just awesome what God does in all of that. God is changing not only... People in that community, but he is literally changing a culture that was full of hopelessness and despair, and turning it into something that has beauty. And here's the, here's another cool thing about it. the church is seeing all this happen. That's probably one of the biggest parts of what our ministry does now is not necessarily to the people that's in the community which we're part of their lives every day. We're engaged in in their homes and where they are, in the school systems. We're there every day. But the, the biggest change that I have seen in the years that we've been doing ministry there now is in the church that God sends to serve. They don't go home the same. have a young lady, she's... 17 years old now. Just got her driver's license. Her very first mission trip was 8 years ago with her family. Family came on a family mission trip. And that mission trip changed her life. She went home and started an organization called Feeding the Orphans. That organization now is supporting 85 employees in Africa. Ghana, Africa. Twelve employees stateside. Raising hundreds of thousands of dollars a year. Just to feed orphans in Africa. And that all started at Club 180. Eight years ago. Just because a little girl went on her very first mission trip. It's all about discipleship. It's all about discipleship one more thing that God taught me in all these years that we've been doing ministry there is that it's really not up to me Angie and I have simply been obedient God called us out and we were willing to go and so we've just been hanging on to him All this time, we've simply been hanging on to Him. And what I've learned in all of that time is that it's really up to God. He's the one that draws. And He's the one that saves. And I get to tell that story when it happens. And it is the greatest thing ever. When I see one of those folks in our area... Come into a knowledge and relationship with Jesus Christ. Man, I literally bounce off the walls. It is so exciting to watch that happen. And to get to be a small part of it. I mean, that's that's what Romans 1 verse 16 tells us. That it's it's not me that saves anyone. It's the Word of God. Jesus Christ, that word has power, power to save. And when we speak that word into someone else's life, God does amazing, incredible things. But God is the one that draws. Over in John chapter 6, and I want to finish this way. I'm going to share with you this, and I thought this was really cool because I did not know that you guys were having Lord's Supper this morning. But listen to this scripture, and this is the part I want you to hear. It's in, in John chapter 6, um, beginning in verse uh, 43. Jesus answered and said to them, and he, he's, he's talking to the Pharisees. He said, Jesus answered and said to them, Do not grumble among yourselves. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. God's the one that draws. Then God puts us as the body of Christ in a place to be a vessel for Him to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it's just that simple. We just simply have to be obedient. It's really cool to have programs. We've been very program oriented at Club 180 over the years. But the thing that we figured out over the years as well. It's not really about the programs. It's not really about what you provide to people. It's really about the attitude of your heart personally and how you feel about God's lost people and what He will do in and through you to save someone else. If we don't get that, we've missed it all. God draws whom God draws. Here's the cool part about that rest of that scripture. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. And I will raise him up on the last day. It is written in the prophets, and they shall all be taught of God. Everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. Not that any man has seen the Father except the one who is from God. He has seen the Father. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who believes has eternal life. I, listen, I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness and they died. This is the bread which comes down out of heaven. So that one may eat a bit and not die. I am the living bread that came down out of heaven. If anyone eats of this bread... He shall live forever and the bread also which I shall give for the life of the world is my flesh. I don't know what to tell you to do with that other than I didn't know you guys were having Lord's Supper. But I think it's very, very good that we have an understanding as the body of Christ that God draws men to himself. And if anyone will take of that, they will have eternal life. But it's up to God. We simply become the vessel. We become obedient slaves to Him to do whatever He's called us to do. It's just that simple. Now I want to say to you, your church, thank you. Because you guys have been with us from the very beginning. You've come and you've encouraged Angie and I. You've ministered to us personally. You've supported us financially. You've prayed for us uh, from the very beginning. And we are so thankful for this church, our home church. We love you. We love this place. And we look forward to continuing to serve with you for many more years, hopefully, if you'll have us. Thank you very much.